Demi Lovato identified being California sober in her newly released documentary called Dancing with the Devil. Since then, the talk about it has been growing and as people asking what it is. But Demi is not the only person to identify with a kind of sobriety and will certainly not be the last. Throughout the years, how people define sobriety is different and opens the door for a further discussion on how people define being sober. Welcome listeners to Talking Addiction and Recovery podcast, which is the follow-up to the book Addiction and Recovery, and I am your host, Andrew J. Schreier. This podcast explores discussions regarding important issues related to addiction and recovery. Information you learn here is not typical of what you will find in academic textbooks and resources and comes from my experiences as a clinical supervisor clinical substance abuse counselor, and licensed professional counselor in the work with the individuals and others involved in this field. So listen as guests join the show and cover a wide range of topics looking to educate individuals, families, communities, organizations, institutions, mental health professionals, educators, and anyone else impacted by addiction and recovery. And the first question to ask for this episode is, have you ever heard of California Sober? And when I first heard about it, my first three thoughts were, one, what is it? Two, has anyone I know or worked with ever heard of this? And three, is there such thing as a Wisconsin Sober? And in all my years of doing this, I'll be honest in telling you, I've never heard of it until I watched the interview with Demi Lovato And I sent an immediate message to my boss saying, have you ever heard of this? And now there's been more talk about it. More people are giving their opinion about sobriety and and what was said in it. But it's important to be clear about a few things before we dive into this. And watching Dancing with the Devil is not all about this topic of being California sober. There is a lot to unpack and understand and learn from what she shared with us and a lot of appreciation and thanks for the courage to share that story with us because doing so requires vulnerability and it opens up the doors to people having their opinions about it and saying whether or not it's true or not with with identifying with the way she did with her sobriety so first it takes a lot of courage to share that and hoping that it can help some people who are dealing with substance use issues. The second thing is what she said about California shouldn't be the only thing that stands out about her documentary. And that should not be the only thing that is taken away from it. The third thing to acknowledge is this is not to, you know, break down, dive into her situation, her life, and the decision that she has made to live that way. You know, the reasons for doing so were explained. And this idea of California sober did grab a lot of attention. It had a lot of people talking about it. And I don't live in California. I've been there, but this was something I knew nothing about. So when you look it up and you go to Urban Dictionary... Here's what it says about California sober is when someone is, quote, California sober, 
The only drugs they use are marijuana and sometimes psychedelics. It's becoming a growing trend for folks who want to drink less, but still want to use other substances that may not give them the negative side effects of booze. CBD, medical and recreational marijuana use is on the rise as more states pass laws that legalize its use. Folks tend to appreciate the benefits without the hangover effects of harder drugs and alcohol. I just want to acknowledge that a term from Urban Dictionary is is not a diagnostic term. It's not coming from a professional. It is, it's important that when we start using this type of language, we recognize it. It's something that isn't professionally used when talking about sobriety. But that in there lies the importance of what this episode is going to get into. How people define being sober is not so simple. And it's not always agreeable. Yes, what it means to be sober can have different meanings and definitions. And this California sober, which is catchy and trendy right now, is highlighting an important issue about recovery. And I'm not going to tell you what sobriety is or what some people refer to as true sobriety. Along the way, people, professionals, family members, treatment programs have different definitions of what it means to be sober and in recovery from substance use disorders. Over the years, I've seen people who have used all different kinds of substances out there, engaging in all different types of gambling, playing various kinds of video games, and so on and so forth. I still, for many reasons, don't know why some people struggle with some, some substances and don't with others. I can't always explain why someone has been able to give up alcohol for 20 years but still struggles with cocaine. I can't always explain why someone has been able to give up heroin and opiates but continues to struggle with alcohol. I don't know why for someone alcohol will be their biggest battle. Others it will be drugs. Some it will be gambling. Others it will be video games. Some it will be pornography. So when you look at that landscape, there's people who have problems with different substances and different types of behaviors within a behavior. You know, like gambling has different types. And for some reason, some people struggle with a certain type more than others, but they might not even play another type of gambling. So how people define sobriety is not the same. You know, so people will say, I have a problem with alcohol, not heroin. Or I have a problem with heroin, not cocaine. Uh, I have a problem with cocaine, not THC. I have a problem with THC, not cigarettes. You know, so from those viewpoints, someone who identifies themselves as being an alcoholic or having a problem with alcohol won't necessarily identify themselves as being a drug addict or having... Uh, a problem with drugs. You know, some people, on the other hand, use anything and, and everything. And and they often stick with, like, identify with being an addict or having an addiction. It doesn't matter what the substance is. They identify with pretty much anything that they use. So if you really want to get into the challenge about sobriety, it stems with the question of being sober from what exactly? You know, is that drug a choice? Is that substances that have caused problems? 
Is that anything that is mind-altering? Now, depending on what's going on in your life or what you are doing, there also might be some other people or institutions, organizations that will sort of define that for you. So, for example, a treatment program that has you agree on maintaining abstinence from alcohol and any other illicit substances lets you know how they view it. When you're on probation or you have some other legal involvement and they require you to remain absent from alcohol and any other substances or else it is considered a violation, you might get into trouble. That's a way of defining how they look at sobriety. A parent might tell their child that, you know, while they live in the house, they can't do this or do that or do any kind of drugs while living under their roof, but they could do this and it's okay. That shows you where they look at what needs to be identified as being sober from and what's okay to continue using. By those examples, it's not just how even an individual defines their sobriety, but we can now include other individuals, groups of individuals, programs, organizations, institutions, and so on and so forth. Overall, it can get very complicated. You can even go further down the rabbit hole and look at additional examples of the complications of defining sobriety. When you look at being on medication for something like opioid use disorder, like methadone, suboxone, or Vivitrol, there are people that would say it isn't considered to be truly sober. There are even viewpoints that being on a medication for mental health issues like depression or anxiety, isn't considered to be entirely sober. There are people who go to lengths of you know smoking cigarettes and consuming certain substances like caffeine where the argument will be, well, that's not being entirely sober. And I've heard these discussions, and I've seen people have talks about what this sobriety is. This reminds me of... of a great group I had with clients during residential and for some reason, and I can't, I can't think of it today and I was still trying to think of it before doing this, but we, we had to do group in the kitchen. Normally we do it in the basement for, but for that day it was in the kitchen and who knows, maybe it was nice out and we wanted to be able to see the weather or just see outside from the big window. But Some people early on in the discussion were talking about what it meant to be truly sober. And I don't know where it came from. It might have been from like that morning meditation. But all of a sudden you have people going back and forth on some of these things that I'm talking about where, you know, I have a problem with this, but not this. I use this. I don't use this. I have an addiction to this, but not with this. And it was going all over the place on how we define sobriety and as they're sharing all this i'm formulating in my mind like this this image of sort of breaking down different categories and levels of where people were seeing themselves as needing to be sober and suddenly a group member asked me you know like well what do i think about it so you know what do i do you know do i go with the well a drug is a drug is a drug Do I go with, you know, it's best that you are sober from everything. And, you know, they've heard all that. You know, this was a program where a lot of guys 
in treatment, have been in treatment before. These are things they've heard. So I was just trying to think like, what is something to share that would get them to think more about it? So as they were talking, I was having this kind of pyramid form in my mind. So I literally grabbed some dry erase markers from the office and there's this this big bay window and I'm starting to draw this tier of sobriety that was like formula, formulating in my head and I was drawing these lines across. So then all of a sudden I just started to ask some questions to kind of fill this out. So my first one was way at the top. I asked them, you know, what drug or drugs or substances do you identify as having an addiction to? And that was sort of like the drug of choice. And they knew what this was. This wasn't one that they really had to question. They could easily identify that I have an addiction to whatever it might be. And for some people, it was one. Some people, it was a few. But it was, you know, the substance that they craved the most or that they used the most or abused the most or that it was um, likely the one that was the hardest to stop, that they've tried stopping. So under that, you know, I asked them, what drugs or drugs fall underneath that? And they started talking about the ones that were causing problems, that maybe it got them into some legal issues, maybe their family members didn't like it. And this became known as like problematic drugs. So ones that were causing problems, but they could kind of make a case where it wasn't the addiction or it wasn't as bad as the one that was above it. So then we started going down to what level would be under that. And then we looked at drugs that they have tried or experimented with. So maybe they've used some substances, but they don't really use it anymore, or they haven't in a while, or it's just a very infrequent thing. And then we went down below and we looked at illegal drugs. And part of that was looking at the illegal drugs was because of the criminal aspects, the legal problems associated you know, with being in possession of it or distributing it, that illegal kind of was something that they had to pay attention to because of their current situation. Then under that would fall under like legal drugs, which would be like alcohol and prescriptions, which we all agree that if it's it's considered legal if it's prescribed to you, but if it's illegal if you if it's not prescribed to you. But for someone, alcohol may fall under drug of choice. But for someone else, it may fall under legal if they view it as never being a problem for them or they simply do not drink. Then finally, at the bottom of the tier was other substances. And that kind of looked at caffeine, like energy drinks, stuff like that. And... So this this pyramid with these this tier of sobriety with these sort of six levels, drug of choice, problematic, tried or experimented, illegal drugs, legal or prescribed drugs, and other substances. After that was all up there, I asked the question, based on this tier, how do you all personally define your sobriety? And the answers varied. They weren't the same. But by looking at it, people were able to walk up there and kind of point or highlight which ones they knew they needed to be sober from. And it was a very interesting 
observation to have because not everyone had the same one, but I, I was able to identify as they were what each of them identified with it. And part of that is what does that teach us? That people do define their sobriety differently. People do look at what they need to be abstinent from, and that can be different from the person sitting right next to them. You know, as a substance abuse counselor, it's important for you to know how they view it. Talk with them about it. Explore the reasons behind that. Ask them questions. Encourage them to think of the possible implications of what that decision might have on their lives. Talk about how this has worked or not worked in the past. You know, ask them how it's going to be different this time. So when someone asks me about defining sobriety and what I think about the use of other illicit substances, this is what I talk to him about, okay? And you're going to hear my little kind of talking points with someone when they ask me. So the first thing I do is I ask them, how do you define it? And then I often ask them overall, how has that worked for you? You know, tell me your story. Tell me about your attempts at sobriety. Talk to me about the longest time you've been sober and what did that look like. I want to know. I want to understand where you're coming from and what's behind that decision for defining your sobriety. I want to know why certain substances you still want to use or why you think they're okay to use. I want to know that. The second thing is I talk about the concerns with how the mind works, physically and mentally. And I discuss concerns that when you use other kinds of mind-altering substances or engage in other behaviors or activities that activate the brain in the same way, I I throw out there, you need to be a little cautious. But I also talk about mentally how difficult it seems to me And what I've seen with people is that if you choose to have different definitions of what you need to be sober from, what you can use, what you can have a little of, or what you can do just one more time, I believe the mind is going to have a really difficult time keeping track of all that. You know, it's like imagine a freeway and all the different exits and entrances represent where the drugs would go as far as what you can or cannot do with it. And to me, it seems like in certain situations, high-risk scenarios, being in distress, facing temptations, it would be really difficult to manage that. And at some point, you just kind of pick one road to travel. So you might think you can just have one drink because you don't have a problem with alcohol. But at some point, that thought of one drink of alcohol could lead to one time using cocaine or one more little bit of heroin again so i'm concerned that 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 freeway of the track that our mind is on sometimes has a really hard time differentiating between all those and at some point depending on what you're going through you might pick one and that that can be really challenging 
The third thing I talk about is ask, does it eventually lead you back to that drug of choice? And I learned this from a client who talked about heroin being his drug of choice. And he never really identified alcohol as being an addiction or a problem, except it would always lead him back to heroin. And in his history, he didn't have problems associated with alcohol by itself, but the alcohol would always lead to using heroin again. And when he talked about it, and he was in this group that was a part of the tier of sobriety, he compared it to the heroin being the love of his life, so to speak. And whenever he used other substances, it was never good enough or it was never what he really wanted. And eventually it would lead him back to wanting the love of his life, which was heroin. So you have to be careful that other substances or behaviors could be what leads you back to relapsing or using. And you may not see it as the substance itself is a problem or that you're addicted to it, but could that lead you back towards the one that you're most concerned about or the few that you might be? All right, so number four is I ask, are you using the other substances or behaviors for the same purpose? Are you experiencing the same triggers and following the same patterns of behavior? Are you still trying to unsuccessfully fill in the void? Are you still using them to numb, void, or escape? If you are using a different substance or engaging in another behavior with that same purpose, I'm going to tell you that there is still struggling going on. So it's not necessarily what are you using or doing, but why are you doing it? Why could also be an indication that you're still caught up in some of the same behaviors and patterns and you haven't really addressed some of the core issues. You're just using something else right now instead of that other drug of choice. Number five, be careful of associations. This is important because sometimes I talk with people about not wanting to do or be a part of the using life anymore. Not the specific drug itself, but the lifestyle and the habits and what you are doing. You know, people who give up heroin but still go to their dealer for cocaine is not that significantly different of a lifestyle. They may have stopped the heroin use, but you're still doing all the stuff that goes on and along with it, and it's not that far from off. Maybe it's not as bad. Maybe it's not as difficult. But the lifestyle of, of using is, is still there. So, you know, I ask people about it, and I, and I kind of just say, you know, at some point, is there not wanting to be a part of that anymore? with what goes on into the life of using drugs or even alcohol. And this is where it's really important to throw out some caution. How you feel today might not be how you feel about it tomorrow. What you tell yourself you would do in the situation today is different in how you might handle it months from now. 
lots and lots of stories about people who are still putting themselves in those situations and telling me they're able to say no after being offered 99 times their their drug of choice. And time and time again, they can say no, but it only needs you to say yes once out of those hundred to be back in your life. And we know what happens then. So the dealer has some free stuff for you. Oh, he ran out of what you wanted, but he's got some of this. It may have some of this in it now. That's a big thing going on now with drugs being mixed, laced, and cut. So you need to be careful about the position you might be putting yourself in when you are still indulging and engaging with other substances and behaviors. So those are like the five things that I'll sit down with someone and talk about when they're asking me about sobriety and they're asking me about using other substances. So, you know, the question, you know, of this episode is what is California sober? Um, and how do I define sobriety? It's important for me as a counselor to ask my clients and patients those type of questions. And I'm going to end with this. There, there are going to be a lot of different answers and reasons for those answers. Overall, I know as a counselor, when whatever substance they're using or behavior they're engaging in is, is recognizing how it's impacting their lives. The similar stories or situations that are all too familiar with that they told about with their drug of choice. But I have to meet them where they're at. Truth be told, that that can change too. People can change how they define their sobriety and change what they believe they need to be sober from. I've had some clients surprise me plenty of times. People I thought were going to smoke weed the rest of their lives and opiates was their addiction, stop smoking. People I thought were going to keep drinking alcohol because cocaine was the issue, decided to stop drinking too. It doesn't always happen the same way we think it does, but some people do change their minds and they go through enough experiences where they find what their true sobriety is. And along the way, I do what I can to help them discover that for their own. So, what is California sober sobriety? To me, it's no different than all the other ways a lot other people define sobriety. And these discussions that are have are being had and, and, and talked about right or wrong, it's more so me just trying to understand where this person's coming from. Why are they doing this way? What is it that they're doing it for? And the impact. And how's it working for them? What's behind this decision? And then I go through those talking points quite often when we're having this discussion. Pay attention as we just entered the month of April. I'm going to be having two special guests join me in episodes this month. I'm having 
Ambitious Addicts, join me. So if you want to check her out beforehand, visit her website at www.ambitiousaddicts.com. And you can find her on Instagram as well at the same name. I'm also excited to have my supervisor, mentor, and a good friend of mine, Dr. Daniel Green, who's going to join us and talk about guilt and shame, which is going to be filled with some surprising and very valuable information. So make sure to tune in for those episodes coming up. So stay tuned, and I hope you learned something by listening to this episode.